Hey, Spook Troopers. Thanks for tuning in to my first ever episode. You guys are probably wondering, who's this crazy lady? Why is she recording? What's the purpose? Well, I've always been a person that's been attracted to scary things. Just drawn to all things eerie. But, I have to say... If it was happening to me, like, say for instance, uh, you see yourself and me in a haunted house, I would leave. I would tell you, hurry up because I can't hold your hand. I will leave. I will scream and leave out. (laughs) I don't mean to leave you behind, but I gotta go. There's a scary freaking ghost behind you. Bye. That is me. (laughs) But when I'm watching scary movies or reading over stories, I'm just like, why are you doing that? No, do not open that door. Run away. No, no. And I'm like, they're going to open that door. They're going to open that door. No, no. I knew it. I knew it. And then they die. But all the podcasts that I listen to just make me like yearn for just more. Like, I need more. I need more. And I'm like, you know, let me make my own. I would always listen to, I would always listen to, uh, want to hear something scary or scaryish podcasts, which they're awesome. You guys should listen to them. I think out of all the scary titles out there, those are the best. I kind of want to say, You guys influenced me to do something I've always wanted to do. I've been really nervous about it. And now I'm following through. So there may be some hiccups here and there. Just bear with me and hopefully stick along for this awesome ride. (laughs) And thank you again for tuning in. Hey, Spook Troopers! So, I am about to read our first creepypasta. The creepypasta is called I Am a Glutton. It's written by R.A. Brewster. This can be found on any creepypasta websites or just a Google search. So, here we go. You know that feeling you get when you eat too much? That uncomfortable pressure that just makes your throat feel like a pipe ready to burst? I wish I could feel that. <laughs> Stuffed. I never said the words. I can't eat another bite. I always could. Bite after bite after bite. Twelve plates of pasta and sausage at an Italian place. Open and close a buffet on my days off. Wrap up and still. Wrap up the night with three full ice cream cakes. It didn't matter how much I ate. I stuffed my face full until my stomach ached. But I still wanted more. Now, if you're thinking... How do I fit in a car even? Hell, how do I even type with ham hand? I'm skinny as a rail. A sickly looking 120. A stiff breeze would kill me. Snap me like a reed. It's as if my belly was a furnace that burned up everything before it could be of any use. When I was younger, and all my parents' insurance, I got tested for everything you can imagine. Three different types of tapeworms. Parasites with names you can't pronounce. Clean as a whistle. They even checked me into a dozen, a baker's dozen, health clinics, 
Each one with an eating disorder specialist that was sure they knew the cause. None did, and in the end, my mom and dad gave up. I made me get a part-time job as soon as I could to help me with the grocery budget. That part-time job became a full-time job that stretched 20 years. I worked at a plant that produces those takeout containers for restaurants. You know the ones. Generic white styrofoam or plastic with cheap lids. I know it sounds weird, but sometimes while I'm pressing them down through the shaper, I felt like them. Those empty bowls waiting to be filled, only to be empty again. I identify with those containers even more when I come home after work. There are so many that wait for me. Empty of the Chinese takeout, of the pizza drained from fries and burgers. They stack up from floor to ceiling, spill out the table and pile in heaps on the floor. I've got to wade through a sea of wrappers just to make it to the couch. I ended up in a dump with them. Toss them away. My parents haven't spoken to me in years. I can't tell you why, honestly. My morning routine never changes. Get up and fry a dozen of eggs in my fire hazard of a kitchen. Stop at a biscuit place and pick up my usual order. I got them thinking the six combo meals are for me and my coworkers. They don't even make it out of the parking lot. Lunch. I wolf down two subs. Lunch is the worst. Not long enough to go and get something to eat and come back. Though, sometimes I deal with the bullshit from the floor manager and take my time. Then, head home for dinner that takes all night to finish. Sometimes I start at six and don't stop until midnight. Most of my paychecks just go to my stomach. That was my everyday until I met Audrey. She was the new office girl in charge of order fulfillment. Blonde with reddish highlights, a dye job, but a good one. In her 40s, it would turn out, but a 40s that would make most girls jealous. She's always smelled like strawberry hands in we just clicked. She had only been there two days before we started texting after work. Jokes and cat memes at first, but soon we took lunch together, then a few dinners. I always left those smiling and starving, tears in my eyes from the pang of hunger twisting up in my gut. Audrey was like a ray of sunshine. I never smiled more than when she called me out of the blue to have a chat about her day. We didn't have days off together very often, so she'd check up on me on her breaks. I would just sit there and listen as she vented about the ordering department screwing up yet another file, munching on the odd roach that would scurry by. It was one of our rare days off together that she called me in sobbing. She told me her mother had a stroke, and she had to leave right away. It was a six-hour drive. I told her that I would be right there, pick her up in my car, she grew silent. You ever watch those recordings of bombs going off, like the nuclear test site footage? Remember how quiet it gets right before the bomb explodes? That was her silence. I waited. She took a breath. <sighs> then, the boom. She needed me to watch her baby. I was stunned. We've been dating official over three weeks now, and this was the first she ever mentioned having a kid. She apologized and rambled. It had been a bad split from her ex. She wanted to tell me, but couldn't find the right time. I asked her how she managed to go on our dates. Sometimes they were spur-of-the-moment runs to the pizza shop she likes. Turns out her babysitter lived in the apartment next door. 
but she was gone on some school trip this week. Why not take the baby with her? Her parents didn't know. They hadn't wanted her to get married in the first place. I just got a feeling there was a lot more there, but I just couldn't stand to hear the pain in her voice anymore. So I told her the truth. It was all right. I didn't care if she had a kid. I'd be over her place as soon as I could. She told me she loved me. At that moment, I wouldn't have cared if she had a dozen kids. Her place was small and on the top floor of a brownstone walk-up. I was out of breath a little by the time I made it inside, and my stomach did a little spasm. Audrey was in a whirlwind of emotions and frantic action. I'll be back as soon as I know she's okay. She showed me the living room and pointed out her bedroom. He's in there taking a nap. He's a doll, really. I asked her how old he was. He'll be a year in a month. She looked into my eyes. Y you okay? I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but... She let hang in the air between us. It's okay. I love you. Go see your mom. I'll watch little... What is his name? I realized I never asked. Tommy. He'll be awake in an hour or two. Just went down. Bottles are in the fridge. She gave me a hug and a rushed kiss as she made her way out of the door. I forgot to go shopping, but help yourself to whatever you want. She locked the door behind her. As soon as the lock clicked, I started tearing through the cabinets. That quiver in my stomach had grown to a full quake. Gurgles of stomach acid started to creep up my throat. I opened the box of elbow noodles and swallowed mouthfuls whole. There wasn't much at all. She had a few things of ramen and a bottle of pasta sauce, besides a box of noodles. I rummaged through the fridge and found a stick of butter, three old-looking micro carrots, next to some questionable spring mix. That was it. Other than six bottles of milk on the top shelf, it was going to be a long six hours. I want to say that I held out for a while before I started drinking the sauce cold to chase down the slimy vegetables. It hadn't been, it had only been an hour. I boiled the noodles into a soup with the butter and ate them by hour two. That was when Tommy woke up. He was a cute boy, had his mother's blue eyes. He was probably pretty confused to see me when I scooped him up out of his crib. We had something in common though. He was hungry too. I cooed and danced him up and down for a little bit when I got a bottle ready. He went to town on the thing drained in half record time. I figured out I put something bright and colorful on for him while he ate, ended up on some cartoons. Tommy seemed to like it. He wasn't crying his head off like other babies. He was doll, just like Audrey said. We sat there, him next to me on a little pillow I found. He smiled when I tickled his feet. This wasn't so bad. Before long, I tuned out the mindless cartoon and ended up falling asleep. I woke up to two things, Tommy crying his head off and my whole body aching. The fire in my stomach had spread through the, my whole body. My teeth ached and I felt thinner. I mean, thinner. My hands were skeletal and, my, and I knew if I pulled up my shirt, I could fill my ribs and count them. The apartment was full of shadows due to the setting sun. I had been out for hours. I tried to pick up the little guy to calm him down, but I felt a wave of dizziness like... I had been on a tilt a whirl. I fumbled out my phone. Audrey had texted me that she had arrived and her mom was in the ICU. I sent her love and an update that me and Tommy were fine. My fingers trembled as I pressed against the screen. 
I forced myself off the sofa and opened the fridge and drained one of the bottles, then another, and another. It wasn't enough. I wasn't even close. I felt my organs shift, and a sharp stab shot through my chest. Stars exploded behind my eyes, and one thought filled my mind. This was it. I was dying. I was starving to death. I don't know where that energy came from, but I went back through the kitchen until I came across the tin of formula. I tore off the lid and buried my face into the cloud of powdered milk. I choked and sputtered, coughed out as much as I managed to keep down my throat. Tommy kept crying. I crawled my way back up to the couch and tried to calm him down, but he wasn't having it. The closer I got, the better he smelled sweet, milk-fed, pink skin, so soft. I could feel great gobs of saliva run down my mouth. Sorry, run down my lips. Felt them like slipped powder into a sticky paste. I wrapped my bony hands around his tiny body to pick him up, to calm him down. Just, just to calm him down a little. Audrey came home around noon the next day. She looked haggard, but opened the door, and with a smile on her face and a box of pizza in her hand, I met her in the entryway. Her mother had made it through the worst of it. They even managed to have a chat before she left. She asked how Tommy was and why there was white stuff all over my shirt. I laughed and explained that the kid could eat. Um, had to make him some new formula. He'd gone down right after lunch. Speaking of lunch, she held up the pizza and opened it. Supreme. My favorite. Hungry? I felt my lips pull back into a smile. No. I told her. I'm finally full. Well, <laughs> that's very intense and very interesting. My thoughts about that was okay we're obviously crazy i would never do cannibalism but uh, to each their own <laughs> all right so i currently live in florida and i was curious to see what places are out there that's creepy or that you know if i wanted to i could go do a haunted tour or whatnot. Of course not by myself because that would be crazy. <laughs> but uh, there's this place called the St. Augustine Lighthouse. The St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum. Now, this place, first let me say it has a lot of historic information. Um, there was one that I thought was interesting and it's about the Sally Maersk. It's a fast single crew cargo liner. It's an international freight ship constructed 1954 in Denmark. It delivered cargo to the Far East and Middle East while traveling through New York and Canada. What else is also cool about this? Now, first I wanted to see, you know, just check on the Wikipedia. And what I found was, it said... The tower is the second lighthouse tower in St. Augustine, okay? The first being lit officially by the American territorial government in May 1824 as, a, as Florida's first lighthouse. That's pretty cool. So, new museum is open uh, 360 days a year to the public. There are admission fees, but they support continued preservation of the lighthouse, which is pretty neat. So, 
I also went ahead and checked into more because they do have an official website. And I found out that um, they raised over mil- uh, $1.2 million to restore the burnt out 1876 Keeper's House, which they have pictures if you want to check that out um, and information on that on the website. And then uh, also the museum today serves 225,000 visitors each year. Pretty cool, huh? (laughs) And if you want to, you can go and climb 219 steps to see a breathtaking view of, of course, St. Augustine and the waters of the oldest continual occupied European port city in the continental United States. Which was also on the website. <laughs> um, now, it's showing that the lighthouse has been featured on TAPS, Ghost Hunters, CNN, Parade Magazine, Fox News, and The Weather Channel. They do have um, tours if you want to go. So... From what I was able to gather, there are tours that are about an hour and a half to two hours long, and it just gives you history and hauntings. You can, they have um, EMF readers if you want to read them, so you don't have to bring it. This is the ghost tour, okay? You do not have to bring your own EMF uh, meter if you have one. It, they have one for you there. But uh, if you do go through holiday or their peak season, it's a larger group. Um, They also have investigation only, which can take up to two and a half to three hours. Uh, This is open various times throughout the year. There's only limited group size. So don't bring too many people. But you do have to bring... uh, Sorry. But you can bring your own equipment if you want or rent their own meters. There are also private tours available. So if you want to look into this, you can go to their website or just search it on Google like I did. And you'll get a lot of information about it. So I looked further and from what they can say, there's not really any credible evidence that the lighthouse is haunted. But... People have noted that there are spooky noises or sounds from the tower that have mundane uh, explanations such as seagulls or the wind. (laughs) So, there is that. I would love to go, and if I do, I probably will um, record it and post it on the podcast. But I thought that was really interesting. I know it's pretty short. Sorry. I know it's pretty, I know it's pretty short, but it's something cool to know, a little tidbit. And, you know, if you live in the Florida area, if you take a look at it, let me know. Tell me how your adventure went and everything. So, I thought since this is my first podcast, to go ahead and put my story in. This is a really personal story. I don't. It doesn't bother me as much as it used to, but I still get creeped out of it. Sorry, I still get creeped out at times. But it's not long. It's probably about another five or ten minutes. Uh, 
just, yeah. So here we go. It's called my story. Hypersensitivity erupts within me, at least for the last 25 years of my life. And with that, I've encountered some pretty weird shit. Let's just focus on one nightmare. The season was fall and the year was 2009. I lived around the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere in a town that breathed the 90s. I believe the only objects that were more modern were the vehicles. My home appeared all white, four acres of land, and coexisted in a quiet town. I had a pretty big room. To give you a visual, it was like the inside of Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks. Woo. <laughs> Mocha Frappuccino, please. <laughs> um, but I digress, sorry. But the walls and the doors were bright shades of purple. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm affected easily with emotions. For instance, a sad movie makes me cry. A scary movie, only the good ones. The rest are too predictable. Gives me an uneasy feeling and so forth. A quarter till nine, I glanced. We babbled for hours. The caller, let's call them Alex. Alex was this person whom I dated for over a period of time. I shared some scary stories which led to the discussion of their family history. Apparently, their name derived from the Antichrist. Okay, great! I, oh, happy-go-lucky me, didn't care about that. So, I told Alex to continue. Go on. And that's exactly what they did. Like, how the mother had a spell book, and it's been in their family for years, and she still practices. Even with all this information, I told them to continue. But something odd happened. Their voices started to blur. My parents' laughter from the room right next to mine grew silent. They were watching TV. The darkness swallowed me. Note. At the time of this event, I was agnostic. That changed. My door was closed. My lamp on. I lied on my bed with the phone pressed to my ear. Everything was so silent. My mouth moved and nothing came out. I started to panic. Why? Well, I saw them. At a 360 degree angle, there they were. Their faces appeared as if they were trying to tell me a spooky story. Flashlights below the face, you know. What were they? Animals? Demons? I didn't know. Something told me to look up. I did. Guess what I saw? There was a shadow figure who stood so tall, the head went through the ceiling. This scared the shit out of me and still gives me the chills to this day. See, I've always seen shadows, shadow people. This was no different except for how massive it was. The darkness was no more, but... Alex was gone. The phone ran and ran and ran. There goes the voicemail. What was that? I felt this odd urge to go to my window, and so I did. I didn't peep. At least, I shouldn't, right? This began a cycle of going to the window and sitting back down. 
I even tried to text Alex. No luck. Why was I feeling this way? Why? Sorry. Why was I feeling this way? Wouldn't a normal person run the fuck away and pretend they saw nothing, right? Nope. Not me. Because I clearly wasn't normal. So I got up one last time, exhaled deeply. (sighs) Okay, we can do this. Nothing is going to happen. I'll go to bed. Nothing, sorry. Okay, we can do this. Nothing's going to happen. And I'll go to bed. Ron. So Ron. I gripped the curtains and slid them away from me, slowly turning my head to the front porch. There it was. A shadow person, but it was taller this time. Its head was the night sky. I quickly closed the curtain and ran to my phone, sending text after text after text. And finally, Alex responded. They thought I hung up. I rushed to my keypad explaining what's going on. And just like that, Alex said, call me now. It was as if this was a switch. I glanced at the text. Something commanded a voice to look outside. Again, and I obliged, idiot. Just like that, I saw its face. The face had a bleeding red eye. The face that had bleeding red eyes and a red mouth, like an illuminated pumpkin during Halloween, but more sinister. They smiled. <laughs> the Joker smile. I smiled back. In my head, I heard a voice saying, Don't worry, it's okay. I saw my child self playing at the playground, and it felt safe. See, I had no fears really in my life. I've just never felt safe. I've always felt I was being watched. Plus, my whole life coexisted. Sorry. Plus, my whole life existed on shadow people, weird noises, and paranormal experiences. In that moment, I went back to my bed and texted this. He will take care of me now. Don't worry. I'll never forget that. It still freaks me out. Alex didn't understand. They told me don't listen and to call them back, but I didn't. Wait, what am I doing? This isn't right. Leave me alone. I shook my head aggressively and skimmed through the conversation. I tried telling Alex I'm okay. Now, it went away. No, it didn't. My heart pulsated as I forcefully moved away. My heart pulsated as I forcefully moved back to the window and my body vibrated. I wasn't myself. My expression blank. I laid down. He told me, close my eyes. I obeyed. I saw darkness covering my light. My soul, my supernova was going to burst. No, don't fade. I don't want to go. Tears slid down my cheeks and I fought this darkness. My light grew bigger and bigger, dispersing the darkness. My eyes opened, and I rushed to call Alex. Something punched me, jabs on the right side of my upper back. One, two, three. It stopped when the phone call was received. The presence was no more. The sun began its morning, and I, I was okay. I was possessed by something unknown. It wasn't over. This is only the beginning. Well, 
that was my story. And yes, it was a story that actually happened to me. It feels weird that I actually can talk about it now because when it first happened, I couldn't. It creeped me out and it scared me completely and I didn't know what to do and I thought I really was alone. But I wasn't. Alright, spook troopers. I think this is about to be a wrap. So, before we go, I want to just catch up with you guys. We talked about the creepy, weird, gluten, creepy pasta. We talked about the lighthouse. And hopefully I'll go next year. Uh, we also talked about my personal story. Uh, I'm glad to do this. I'm like really, really happy that I'm doing something I've actually wanted to do for so long. And I don't know how many listeners it's going to attract, but I hope whoever listens... You know, if you have a story to send, don't be afraid to. I'll read all that I can and combine them into my podcast. Who knows? There might be one podcast where I read five stories or ten. It just really depends. I might throw in a bonus podcast sometimes and just read stories. But I really hope you guys enjoyed this. I did. Um, if you do have stories to send, you can either email me at lunaswdpod, so that's L-U-N-A-S-W-D-P-O-D at gmail.com, or you can tweet me at lunaswdpod, so it is capital L-U-N-A-S, capital W, capital D, capital P, capital O, and capital D. I also want to thank my awesome friend Stacy, or better known as Jinxie Cat Inc., who did the art, basically, for this podcast. It's really cute. I wanted to do a cat. I always loved Sabrina, and I love the nickname Luna. I love what it means, what it stands for, but I also love cats. I'm a fur mama. <laughs> I just love them and I thought this would be a good way to incorporate the things that I love into one. So I hope you enjoyed and I hope you come back next week. Thank you for tuning in to Luna's Wind Down. Have a good night.